and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Johnny McFarlane and joining me today is Gaby McKay. Hello. And Jules Boyle. Hello. On the pod today, we're going to be talking about Scotland. Gaby's uh, I'm very topic. excited, yeah. <laughs> I find your lack of faith disturbing, <laughs> folks. Um, Star Wars reference there, yeah. folks. Um, Disillusioned we are. We're going to be talking about Gordon Strachan and Mar Hall on the back of some interesting comments by Robert Snodgrass um, when he reflects on Strachan's time as manager and the new facilities at Orium and how things have changed. And finally, picking up from a debate that we just had at the Football Scotland desk, we're going to be talking about Odson Edward. Is he the best striker in Scotland? And will he eventually, or perhaps sooner, move away from Scotland and Celtic? Well, we're going to start with these comments from Robert Snodgrass, Gaby. Um, let's just have a wee look at what he had to say about the Gordon Strachan uh, era. He said, with reference to Mar Hall and um, the the setup at the time, when we when I came in for the last campaign, we were having meetings about doing everything we could to make the country better. There were a few of us, some of the more experienced lads, who spoke about our experiences. We've had meetings with the SFA, and they've been brilliant. We put all our cards on the table and pushed for what we thought we thought as players. Uh, we need to assess it somehow and get it right. We need to try. People think you're just using excuses, but it's not. I've played at the top level for years now and know it's the small percentages that matter. That's what the difference is between you getting to a major tournament or not. It's the small things. We turn up to Mar Hall, and no disrespect to Mar Hall, but it's a bit of grass that's been cut. Boys in previous camps were rolling their ankles. We've got the Orium now, a big setup. We've got boys here at top clubs winning the Champions League. They're getting proper looked after. It's a case of getting a happy, happy medium for Scotland going forward. The training facilities at the Orium have everything. They're trying their best to get everything right. When everything is done there, it's up to us as players to do the business. Quite um, scathing about the uh, Strachan era. We know that one of the reasons that Strachan left the position, it was certainly reported at the time, was that he wasn't happy about going to the National Performance Centre just outside Edinburgh. Um, it was suggested, I think, in, in a few pieces that he and the players were not happy about having to move from Mar Hall. And yet we have Robert Snodgrass here um, talking about a meeting that took place after Strachan left under Alex McLeish in which uh, the players made it quite plain that they wanted to train with proper facilities and with the kind of cutting-edge preparation that you would expect to get at at an English Premier League side, Gaby. What do you make of these comments? Yeah, well, look, I've been up at uh, Orium and played on the pitches there. I went to uh, an SFA coaching course and the facilities there are absolutely superb. You know, it's state-of-the-art stuff, so it's kind of baffling that Strachan wouldn't use them or very rarely use them. I think there were maybe a couple of occasions where they trained there for a couple of days and then went back to Mar Hall, which, as Snodgrass says, is basically it's a hotel with a with a bit of grass out the back, which is not really ideal for, for you know, what should be uh, top-level football, international football, the national team. Uh, so I'm not really surprised by, by the comments there coming out from Snodgrass saying that the players would prefer to 
be at, at Orium, which, as I said, is state-of-the-art stuff. If you go to any of these top clubs, you know, if you go on, like, whatever, a stadium tour at these these big clubs, the dressing rooms all have all these, uh, you know, hot jacuzzis and stuff for cool-downs. They have, like, gyms. They have everything. You know, it's all really top-notch stuff. You only have to look at the Man City documentary on Amazon Prime that's been so popular to see. I know, And I know Man City is <laughs> the very elite level, but all these things you're talking about, you can see, and, and then even things that you wouldn't imagine, the sort of cryo chambers. I know Kelly had that under Lee McCulloch before you say it. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't going to bring that up. I was up. waiting for that. <laughs> try and forget the Lee McCulloch era, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. But yeah, th- so those are the standards, especially guys like Andy Robertson, who, as uh, Snodgrass alluded to, is a Champions League winner. Those are the kind of things that those guys will be expecting. And it's going to be an absolute massive step down if you then go and you're just basically playing out the back of a hotel. So I did, the comments don't surprise me, and it's a little bit like now Roy Keane slightly disgraced himself today with some of his comments, which you don't have to get into. It's a bit like, you know, Roy Keane in his book said when uh, he went to uh, the 2002 World Cup with Ireland, and they basically were on a sort of dry, bobbly pitch, and they were meant to train on this thing. And he basically walked out because he was used to the, the standards of Manchester United, which... Uh, I mean, we're, we're obviously, for the time, top level, I mean, you probably look back, oh, even Man United then, compared to what they have now, you'd probably think that's pretty basic. Uh, and he, he sort of then, well, went in the huff as keen as uh, want to do. I hope he doesn't listen to this, he might find <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Rather you than me. Totally. Yes. <laughs> Take that, you, no. Yeah. Now, no, door tomorrow. Now, nobody's <laughs> suggesting that, obviously, that Snodgrass and Robertson and these guys were, were going to go to that level, but it, I think it would be... Um, you know, a stark difference if you come from a club like Liverpool to then be training at Mar Hall, and it probably would not necessarily affect your performance on the pitch for Scotland, but it might affect the way you sort of feel about going to play for Scotland. Not that you wouldn't want to, but you might feel like you know this is all a bit amateurish. Whereas if you're going to Orium, which I keep wanting to call Orium because I can't apparently say Scottish words, <laughs> and, uh, it's just uh, it's going to be a step down. And I think you know the fact that Strachan wouldn't use it, I think, goes back to something I was talking about yesterday. It's the kind of anti-intellectualism thing you know he spoke about when he left the role that oh they had all these sports scientists coming in and telling them but I know best I know what's good for footballers it's like yeah so you know better Gordon because you were a footballer in the 1970s and 80s than actual sports scientists with data and stuff and I'm not saying you base everything entirely on sports scientists and data obviously you need people there who know about football and have played the game and stuff but I just think that that kind of dismissive attitude was sort of uh uh, symptomatic of the sort of the sort of general laziness, I thought of the certainly the latter years of the Gordon Strachan Scotland era. I think Strachan's sick of experts. Is that the kind of? I think he absolutely is. I think he's had yeah. enough of experts. <laughs> Do you think Gordon Strachan voted for Brexit? Is that a, a raging certainty? Oh, he'd probably vote for biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a guy who said that Scottish people were like genetically uh, in- inferior or whatever and weren't yeah. tall enough. So, I mean, that's that's quite a right wing view, isn't it? <laughs> it, <laughs> it, was like, it was... Anyone that's been to like you know Benidorm or something, you look around, you go, mm, possibly though. Yeah, you know well, I mean? we don't acquit ourselves well. Do you know what I mean? Really? I'm not sure. I want to ask you to elaborate on that. To be honest, <laughs> what do you mean, Benidorm? What? What are you talking about? You look and see the see the. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I've never been to Benidorm. Right. I mean, well, obviously, your average Brit abroad sort of character, and you see them compared to sort of more continental ah, cousins. Ah, right. Okay. And yes, you know, yes. we don't look genetically well. <laughs> yeah, but I think I myself yeah. in this as well. But you just think, oh. yeah. But I think Shrakin was saying that they're sort of naturally short and weak, which I don't necessarily yeah, I don't. see. Shrakin just is difficult to get his words out sometimes. I think. One of the other comments, and because it was a very interesting interview, and uh, there was numerous lines taken from this interview, um, and just to touch on what Gabby was saying about anti-intellectualism, um, was um, Snodgrass 
basically defending Graham Jones, who is this, the top sports, science at the, sports scientist at the SFA. He said, I've seen Graham Jones getting absolutely crucified, and I'm thinking, you've got it wrong. He's one of the best things that's happened to the SFA. He's one of the guys trying to drive the nation forward. When we meet up, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that you don't see. Now, I've actually sat down with Graham Jones, and I have to echo that, the, the level of detail um, that he went into with me when I interviewed him about the trip to South America, the much maligned trip about South America, was absolutely fascinating, and they really were taking it extremely seriously from a sports science point of view. They'd contacted um, clubs in North America because um, they were used to like changes in altitude. They'd uh, contacted... Um, teams in, in Russia with regards to the, the length of flights to, to get the best way to ensure the players were in comfort. They'd gone to extraordinary levels to make sure this was highly professional and that the players were going to be touching down in the best possible condition. But you also get a sense that this is kind of like seen as naff here in Scotland. <laughs> do, do you get that sense? Yeah, I think that, I, to be honest, see if there was getting results. I think they probably you'd, you'd convince a lot more people on it. I think, um, but just the fact is, it's still you know we're still seeing Greek football, we're still seeing Carlos, we're still seeing you know this sort of thing, and then you know, all this other stuff. I think it's still a way to go to convince a lot of people, a lot of general public, the stuff that I mean, working out like flights and all this sort of stuff. You think when you say that out loud, you think, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, surely it'd be good to know how to do that properly and altitude, how that's going to affect you and these sort of things. But then if you won't get cuffed. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't make you know folks say, well, you know, concentrate on winning football. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think it's really a big factor in people's thinking because they've not been they've not seen the benefits of it. Do you know what I mean? Because the point of doing these things is to see benefits and see results, which we don't have. I think Dave Brailsford has a lot to answer for on this with that marginal gains nonsense that Sky pushed where they claim, Oh well, it makes a difference if you sleep on the same pillow every night. <laughs> that's going too far. Yeah. I think that's what people think that this kind of nonsense is, and that's why well this isn't nonsense they think that it's that so the, that kind of turns them off immediately when you hear you know it's pure fancy yeah, yeah, yeah like oh we take everyone's bed with them in the bus so they're sleeping on the same mattress every night <laughs> like I think people when they hear sports science think of that yeah. rather than you know actually just nutrition yeah. and yeah all McBurney gets to bring his favourite teddy with him yeah exactly um, that kind of yeah. stuff so um, I think I think uh, I blame Dave Bra- Brailsford <laughs> and the general well, anti-intellectualism general of the Scottish uh, football fraternity. Of well, there's also that thing as well. There's this macho culture, which is pre- 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 yeah, prevalent in football, particularly in Scotland. I think of that sort of thing. They should be tough enough and big enough to take a knock, to you know, make a fifty-fifty. These sort of things, you know, get enough playing, you know, do these things like that. None of this science. It's kind of there's almost this attitude of, you know, it's you know, try to think of a word that's not going to be edited out, but. To, to, to care about these sort of things, they should be man enough to not, that shouldn't be an issue. Isn't the problem here, Gaby, that for years and years and years, both in Europe and in the national team, we played as a as a as as teams that were technically less uh, good and uh, we couldn't pass the ball as well, we couldn't move it as well, so we made up for that lack of technique with physicality. Other teams now have, have got that physicality because they've embraced these kind of things, sports science, um how to get the, the, yourself in the tip-top physical condition. And we need to establish now that, to make sure that we are getting the absolute maximums that we possibly can because that gap that has always been there now includes also this thing that we were once better than, than other teams at in other countries and other nations. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you watch sort of top-level football compared to Scottish League football, if you watch top international teams compared to the Scottish national team, the other teams do look fitter and stronger and faster and okay I get that some of that is 
better positioning, better tactics, knowing when to press, when to not. But there's no excuse to me for our players not to be as fit or as strong as other nations because that's something that you can work on. Okay, look, we'll maybe never be as good as Spain or Germany or Italy or France, but we can be as fit. There's no reason that we can't be. And I think that that is, um, I think you're absolutely right in what you say, Johnny, that is something that we really need to, to step up because it's not the sort of 1980s where you can go, okay, well, we're not going to pass them off the park, but, you know, they, they don't like it up and we'll, we'll, you know, blood and thunder get into them. I don't think that works anymore. And actually, I think we're sort of behind in, in that sort of the, the physical and conditioning side of things. Yeah, increasingly. When was the last time that we saw Scotland pull off a shock by getting 10 men behind the ball, being really organised in a low block and fighting for everything? When was the last time we saw a performance like that? Holland, the 1-0 win in like 2000 and... Yeah, remind yeah, me what, what happened yeah. in the second leg of that? Yeah, that went, yeah. Well, that went well, didn't it? Yeah. That was. I, I can't remember. I was swimming in an Amsterdam canal by the time the fourth goal went in. Um, anyway, we're going to move on um, to the actual game itself on Friday night. Uh, tomorrow night, obviously. Scotland against Russia. Um, and have a little chat because we've looked at the teams that uh, we think uh, Steve Clark could pick. And then we've done our own teams. Uh, so I thought we'd have a wee discussion about who should start, why they should start. Um, first of all, Gaby, what what formation is this team going to be in? What are we playing? Uh, well, I've just gone for a sort of basic 4-3-3, but with uh, a sort of holding midfielder, put McTominay in there because I think you need that sort of defensive steal and he's the, sort of, he's the only one really in the squad who you'd say would be specialised to playing in that sort of anchorman role. Well, we're, we're, we're going to go one further than Ross County. We're going to have a three-man managerial team. Okay. So, Jules, you're going to be part of this team, right? Okay, bear in mind I just walked in the door. <laughs> Are you happy with this 4-3-3 with a, a single pivot, a defensive midfield player? Because I like the idea of having two in there. Yeah. Because I think Scotland's defence is going to be ropey no matter what we do, given that there's so many top quality, or I wouldn't go as far as say top quality, to be honest. So many Our first, best quality. So many first picks are going to be out. Yeah. We've lost Scott McKenna. We've lost John Souter. Um, Gaby will be quick to point out that we've lost... Stuart Finlay. Stuart Finlay. Hello. Um, <laughs> so therefore, yeah, it, it's pa- it needs it's protection for me. I, I would agree with that, to be honest. Okay. It, it is patchwork, I, w- I would say so. Yeah, but um, I mean, well, I mean, that's... It worries me. Yeah, I mean, deeply. well, the team I pick is sort of quite defensive anyway. I don't have a guy in behind the striker. I'm just saying that McTominay can be the sort of anchor man in there. And then I've got the mayor of Norwich in there as well. And he's, so have I. You know, so he's have a I, bit yeah. more defensive. And then sort of McGinn on the right, so... I think that well, that's just quibbling over shape, really. I guess, but mm. yeah. I mean, let's just get into that midfield a little bit. Do you think that um, McGinn should be playing ahead of Armstrong? Yes, because I think it's kind of one or the other with those two. Yeah, I know. I, I just think that well, Armstrong A is not playing for Southampton, and I don't <laughs> think he offers enough defensively. Now, McGinn isn't obviously a defensive midfielder, but I think he offers a little bit more in that regard. I think Armstrong for. For the games against Russia and particularly against Belgium, I think he's a sort of he's a bit he's a bit lightweight. He's a bit uh, I don't I can't really come up with the right words for it, which isn't ideal for a podcast. But you know he's a bit he's a bit flighty, I guess. You know I don't, I'm not sure he's the guy you want in there in a game where you're not going to have much of the ball, where he's not going to be able to get on the ball and really make things happen very often. Jules, do you like John McGinn? Yes, I very think much I, so. I feel like I'm like the sole skeptic in the in the Scottish media. I'm, every time I've seen him play for Scotland, I feel like he's a propensity to give the ball away. Um, I'm sure Armstrong's never done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> this is true. That's the sound of a case being dropped. Um, you could, to be honest, you could apply that to almost anyone on our yeah. team. But I think uh-huh. 
John McGinn has given the ball away a fair bit when he's been playing. He's not shown for Scotland the kind of quality that he's shown for Aston Villa. No, but I think I think you look at um, say some of the Lee Griffiths who's not shown the quality for Scotland. He's not for Celtic apart from those obviously wonderful free kicks. We won't talk about hand after it. He has played well for but Scotland. What happened after it is Stuart Armstrong gave the ball away. <laughs> yeah, correct, <laughs> correct. So yeah, so exactly. So and he, but don't get me wrong, he's played well for Scotland, but he's not played his Celtic level, the level he's done at his club thing. But you would definitely want him in that Scotland team. And I think McGinn's the same. I feel like Especially, I'm getting overruled here. I think, right, yeah. So what, what? So what's the midfield makeup then? We've got McLean, Tommy, and McGinn. That's what I've got. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I like I like McTominay and McLean to give us a bit of a defensive steal. Two players that will get stuck in and have a bit of discipline about them. That's one thing. Give me this. McGinn is not disciplined. He's no, not he's not. tactically disciplined. No, so he isn't. If we push him into the more attacking role of the three, then I would be. I'd have a little bit yeah. of comfort. But if you think that. of the way he plays at Villa, he sort of plays on the right of the midfield with an anchor man behind him. Yeah. So. Okay, right, so we've got the midfield, so we're going I'm for McTominay, that. McLean and McGinn. What about the defence? Uh, obviously, goalkeeper David Marshall, any arguments there? No, no, it has to be Gotta Marshall. Be. I mean, I think McLaughlin's done well at Sunderland, but I'm not sure he's top quality, and yeah. McGilvery I'd literally never heard of until he got called <laughs> into the squad, so yeah, yeah it's got to be Marshall. Uh, left back... <laughs> Shall we just move on? Ah, yeah, yeah. I think both fullbacks we can move on because Sod's got to be at right back because yeah, there's nobody no, else no in else. the squad. So yeah, 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 the yeah. fullbacks are Robertson and O'Donnell. That's yeah, that's just got to be. Sort of surprised not to see Alan Hutton in there, despite the fact <laughs> he has no club for so long. No. He wasn't playing any football at all, but he's, for Scotland, he's probably turned up at Mar Hall. Uh. Where is everybody? So we've got uh, O'Donnell on the right. We've got uh, Robertson on the left. Two centre backs. Again, we've already discussed there's a few players missing. You've got to imagine that Charlie Mulgrew is the first choice on the left. you got to, really. Yeah, I you think so. you got to. I mean, he's played all the games so far under yep. Clark. I think Clark's idea was to have him and McKenna try and build a real sort of... Uh, well, actually, that would be the back four, would be mm-hmm. the two fullbacks we mentioned, Mulgrew, McKenna beside him. Obviously, McKenna's injured. You'd imagine then either Suter or Finlay would come in, but they're <laughs> injured. Yeah. But I think... Um, Mulgrew's definitely got to be in there because I think Clark's made a point of you know when he he called him up for his first squad he started him at centre back I think he's definitely the man he wants at left yeah, centre back going forward field. so yeah, I think he's yeah. I think he's definitely going to play him yeah. and, and then in beside him Jules Cooper Liam Cooper Just, uh, yeah. done well under uh, Marcelo yeah uh-huh. yep. uh, captain I think of Leeds uh-huh. yeah yeah which you know is, is is no is no poor thing to be the Leeds captain. Um, obviously is, is, is makeshift seem to, seem to recall another Leeds captain that did not too bad for Scotland yeah. back in the 1974 World Cup of course you were about 15 at that point Joe, so you'd be able to I was too, tell I, us I, all I, about I, Billy Bremner I, I was steaming mate <laughs> <laughs> he's on the bucky yeah. so right okay defence midfield we're all, we're all sorted uh, yeah, there uh-huh. I, I, left left wing we're going to go for um, the obvious and go for Ryan Fraser who's been Aye. a top performer in the English Premier League yeah, I think Scott it has to be. Game. Yeah, I don't have much choice in the matter, really. Same as the right wing as well. I think I think they kind of pick themselves, really. Yeah, I can't really argue with that. I think it's got to be Fraser on the left wing. He's certainly in recent recent games he stepped up and performed for Scotland. It's got to be James Forrest on the right. I don't think there's 100%. anyone really better. And he's another one who, in recent games for Scotland, particularly for Celtic in Europe, he, he scores goals in big games. We know that. So, yeah, it's got to be Forrest yeah. on the right. I think that's another two that's just basically picked themselves. Yeah, I absolutely. I agree with that. And then up top, this is where there's been a little bit of disagreement because I felt like Stephen Naismith's experience, his blend of not really a target man, not really a number nine, but his work ethic and the way he can 
both run in behind and hold up the ball would mean he's the most obvious candidate for me. On top of that, if the game's going badly, you know you can rely on Stephen Naismith to have the tactical intelligence to drop back into midfield and help out. I like him in there. I know he's not going to be fully fit, but I, I would take a gamble on a player who knows his body well. If he says he's ready, I'd go for him. You think Ollie McBurney, Gaby? Yeah. Oh, actually, I think Clark might actually go for Phillips, but if I'm picking the team, uh, I'm going to go for McBurney. Uh, I think Naismith, absolutely agree with everything you said, but this is a guy who's not played any football this season. He didn't nine play minutes. any football. Nine minutes. Well, all right, okay. If nine <laughs> minutes scored, counts. Did he score? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Diving headers, man. Come on. Right, okay, fair enough. But, uh, okay, he's played nine minutes since what March it's more or than April nine last because year he, he came on at half time against Aberdeen did he get subbed after nine minutes I, I, I thought it was nine minutes I could be no, wrong I'm, I sure could be, I'm, not, I'm, I'm a worder and not a number I remember right, I might be wrong right but. anyway well the point stands he's barely played any football <laughs> yes. right Which is a big, so I think okay. it's a big ass to then put him into a game against Russia who are I mean we saw at the World Cup they'll, they'll run all day they're a good physical team They've got some quality as well. They're a good physical team. So to put a guy who's not played in as a lone striker, which is a thankless task at the best of times, I just don't think you can really do. Um, McBurney, I think, hasn't really impressed for Scotland, but I think he does have, a, a well, from what I've seen of him, he certainly seems to be able to hold up the ball. He certainly seems decent in the air if he can get crosses in. So I think he's maybe someone who can bring... Um, Fraser and Forrest into play if the ball gets up to him quickly. Although, as I said, I have a sneaking suspicion Clark might go for Phillips just because he's strong and quick. Jules, this is working like pre-Julius Caesar Rome, yes. triumvirate. Yes, indeed. So, um, I'm named Pontius, after after. Was it Pontius Magnus? Uh, was Pontius Pilate was the bad no, no, guy? No, no. <laughs> not that Pontius. <laughs> Julius Caesar, I think Pontius Magnus, and one other guy. Uh-huh. Anyway, forget it. I'm not. I can't remember, so I'm not going to. I'm just being like fine. As, as, as long as somebody's not Brutus, I don't mind. Well, exactly. So you're going to be the, the final arbiter of who's yeah. going to play up front. Are you going to go with Stephen Naismith? Are you going to go with Ollie McBurney? Or are you going to just be a berserker, just. ruin the entire thing, and go with Matt Phillips? And go with Matt Phillips just to be a right me. Um, no, uh, and it'll probably come as no surprise to anyone because I, 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 I tend to praise him quite a lot in this podcast. It's Naismith for me as well. Uh, it's for the, basically the reasons you said, um, I think... He's smart as well, and I, I mean, you're, I think you're quite right, Gaby, obviously. Playing up front, lone striker, own thankless task, is that stuff, but he is smart enough, he will get back, he will get involved more. And if he's declaring himself fit, you get him on, you can bring McBurney on, do you know what I mean? You can all, he's still going to be there, do you know what I mean? If he's on first, I would be trusting him first to get on with it um, and try and get some sort of impact out of it, first of all. I would definitely think he's, he's the man for it. But whether that works out, whether he is actually fit or not, um, it, is a sort of, it is a gamble But you've got, you've got to trust the player Haven't you? You have So that's our team um, Now there may be some listeners Who are tearing their hair out Going Oh international football <laughs> Giza break So we decided We'd have a wee chat About Odson Edward Gaby <laughs> found a story From Lukip Today um, In which they stated That Monaco Had been in For Odson Edward In the summer Would have been a big money move They pulled out The player wasn't too happy They came back in He told them to get lost that's the long and short of it, isn't it, Gaby? Yep, pretty much. That um, Essentially, that they'd sort of agreed in principle on a contract. They, they were talking to Celtic, and he thought it was going to happen. And then Monaco, for whatever reason, dropped it and didn't explain to him why. And then later in the summer went, oh, we still need a striker, and came back. And yeah, he basically told them where to go. Jules, put a price on the head of the man that just put Rangers to the sword. Bearing in mind he's still young, um... I wouldn't want to see him going for any less than 18. 
any less than that. Absolutely, you tell you to walk for less than eighteen. See who gets on. He's not in belly dollars. The belly dollars, not maybe not quite the belly dollars as yet um, of that sort of level of, of that. Because I mean, but, but he's not far off it now. But he's not. I mean, the belly just seemed almost finished. Do you know what I mean, he really was just boom ready to go. He's just he's slightly not there. But I mean, don't get me wrong, an exceptional, exceptional striker. Is he a better finisher, pure finisher than Dembele? Got that ice in his uh, veins. Yeah. Dembele was an extremely good finisher as well. You've yeah. got to remember. Do you know I mean, remember that it was at the the hat trick where he got left foot, right foot header. I can't remember it. <laughs> you blotted that one out. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that, and he, and it didn't miss for them. He was another one as well. If he get near the goal. One on one, you think, well, that's going in. And yeah. it doesn't matter what angle he's coming from. Dembele was just that kind of magic that's seen it. Ed- Edward is the same. He's not as, I don't know, it's kind of hard to compare it to. He's not as flourishy as Dembele. Do you know what I mean? He's not that thing, but he's, he's every bit as good a finisher. Um, whether he's a better one or not, I don't know. I think it's uh, easy, easy to forget just how good Dembele was, I think. What do you think, Joe, uh, Gibby? Uh, I think, yeah, he, I mean, I, th- I seem to remember sort of in his uh, final season at Celtic, Dembele going through a sort of patchy run of form where I think he was sort of snatching at chances a bit. Whereas Edward, I mean, you know, he's like, I don't know, he's like a shark, basically. Yeah. You yeah. see him, he just, just sort of darts in there and he's just ice cold. I mean, you know, that, that goal against Rangers that he scored on Sunday, the minute that ball got played through and you saw it was Edward on it, Everyone in the stadium, everyone watching at home knows there's only one place that's going. There was no way he was ever missing that. And, he and, just, and that's against yeah. Alan McGregor as well. Yeah, yeah who's, who's, who's arguably the best goalkeeper in the league and Easily. he just slots it under him. You yeah. know, great finish. So, yeah, I, I, I think in terms of, uh, you know, he's not he's not as physical as Dembele. He doesn't have the city. He's probably not, not, not even possibly as quick, although he's, he's no slouch. He's more of a, a technical player, but I think he might just have the edge on finishing over, over De, uh, Dembele. Yeah, I can go with that. I can go with that, but I think it's tight. Do you think Celtic would be likely to do a deal in January, even if they got that kind of offer? I mean, not in January, not in January. Well, you, you never know. You never I know. I suppose it depends on the money. If it they does, come up with a twenty-five yeah. million pound offer, yeah, Celtic yeah, he's find gone. difficult to turn it down. I don't know if they wouldn't find it difficult to turn it down. They would. Peter, Peter Law would drive him to Monaco <laughs> across the the, the 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 floor of the English Channel. He wouldn't care. He would be gone if they get that offer. I mean, that's that's something that worries. Um, well, every Celtic fan, but every fan other club as well, I suppose. If he gets that offer, I don't think they'll sell him for anything other than a proper, proper wedge in January. They wouldn't, they wouldn't let him go in January. Um, it's nine in a row year. Um, Rangers sniffing at their heels. Do you know what I mean, it's, they've got all these things to play for. Hopefully, they'll still be in Europe. Do you know what I mean, all these sort of things. You don't, you do not sell Watson Edward in January for that. Again, I mean, I always think of late. It's like there's been, you know. You've been one bad signing or one not signing away for pitchforks and burning torches outside Celtic Park. Yeah. That's obviously all they've been put away back in the barn. 11 signings, everything's fine now. You don't mean the torches are blown out and it's fine. You go and sell the Odds and Edward in January. Woof! You know, they're back. I mean, people will be absolutely livid. Uh, I love the imagery. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, you can see yeah. it. Where yeah. are these villagers <laughs> coming from? I can see them, all, can see them all walking to the barn because uh-huh. they know the torches are there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Getting that out. Oh, 15 million for them. <laughs> <laughs> Off it goes, you'd be down, and you would be. I mean, you'd be absolutely livid. But there's no way, there's no way in hell they're going to get rid of him in January unless someone equally good's coming in and they're making a ton of money, and all these sort of factors are in place. Or, I mean, to be honest, what, what situation would it be? Even maybe if they were like 15 points ahead in the league, mm. even then, though, you don't get rid of your top striker. Absolutely. Uh, but no. it obviously depends on the price. Every player's got their price. Well, if somebody, the price is right, that's yeah. it, they go. So. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, maybe for 25 million, no. I mean, I'm, this will, ne- will not happen. I'm not saying it would. No. But if someone came in with 50 million, they'd sell them. Because oh, every player sell your grand so you- for that. Of course you would, yeah. <laughs> but, you would, but also as well, those sort of bids tend not to come in in January no, as course. well. That's another thing as well. So, so no, I can't see it happening. Um, but, you know, everybody's got the price. Just one last thing, Gabby, before we go. We discussed about um, on the desk whether or not Odson Edward is in fact the best striker in the Scottish Premiership. And you guys, I think, both felt that he is. I, I think in terms of pure technical quality, he is. But the question for me is, will he be, at the end of the season, the most effective? Last season, Alfredo Morelos was more effective in terms of his outputs, his goals. Yeah, but you've got to remember Edward's two years younger. Edward's still only 21. He got 23 goals in all competitions last season. He scored in the Scottish Cup final. He scored against Rangers a couple of times. He scored against Rangers just there. You'd think he's only going to improve on last season. And don't get me wrong, Morelos is, is a great striker. He's a, he's a very different kind of striker. He's a guy who will run the channels. He's a guy who will sort of, you know, battle with defenders who, you know, he's nipping at their heels all the time. He's more of, he's more of a sort of terrier than a shark if I'm bringing it back to, <laughs> yeah. the, to the animal <laughs> imagery. Uh, but if you get an article tomorrow, Scottish footballers as animals, as animals that's a great idea. idea has we come should from. totally do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> What's Scott Brown, a pit bull in midfield? Yeah, no, he's one of those. What's the, one of the ones with the white, the white dogs at like the pit bulls with the sort of funny shape? Scott noses. Brown is a honey badger, and we all know it. <laughs> <laughs> a wolverine. <laughs> well, with that, we are going to call it a day. I think um, football Scotland will be back tomorrow before four pm, just in time to make your daily work commute that little bit more bearable. You can get more from us at the Football Scotland website on our social media channels on Facebook or Twitter at football underscore Scott. You can also leave us a review at iTunes, so please give us five stars on there. Um, and uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can. Uh, I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane. Jules is at Captain underscore Howdy. Correct, Mindo. And Gaby is at Gaby Mackay. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening. <laughs>